All right, everybody, welcome back. We are on episode 61, so we've crested that hill. We're on 61 now. Uh, we have Matt Bach joining us today, but before we get into all of that, uh, we are going to go ahead and talk about Brownells. Brownells is an awesome company. They have a whole ton of stuff. You can use code TRIGGERED over at Brownells to get 10% off of any order over $150 or more. That goes to help out not only Brownells, but also to help out our buddy, uh, who is that's his code, Triggered Dad on Instagram. So go check him out. And then, uh, yeah, thank you to Brownells for everything thing they have a ton of stuff in, pro in stock uh they're getting more by the day um i am super interested and can't wait for the beretta adx cheetah because i want to shoot a girl's gun and i'm also looking for the uh looking forward to the geisley uh, mark 16 uh, urgi upper and 14.5 because i know everybody's gonna bitch about the did you get an eta on those i'm told beginning of next month so probably like the first or second week of the next month they'll probably get them in but okay. apparently geisley dropped the ball for a bunch of people from what i'm understanding because mm -hmm. they said that they had them in stock over at charlie's at charlie's customs or whatever and apparently they weren't in stock so but that's just backward internet stuff um we're not even going to talk about that thank you to thank you to brownells for being awesome and uh huge shout out to boring rifles also uh use code sts10 uh so sierra tango sierra one zero over at boring rifles to get yourself 10 percent off actions barrels all the other fun stuff these rifles that if they build you a rifle it is guaranteed to shoot under a half moa it is a incredible rifle both Malar and i got to shoot these guns out to 600 yards yeah. they were fan fucking tastic and this is coming from a guy who hates shooting long range so um let's just go ahead and talk about it if you go over there and you order anything use code sts10 it'll knock off 10 percent of literally i think almost everything in their store i don't know about yeah. complete guns but it will knock off a ton for all of that um and they are incredible an incredible company they bring their kids to work with them daily they do all the stuff in house. I mean, th it's a guy who's literally building these guns made in America by American hands, just like the company we're going to talk about today. Uh, and it's something that I'm a huge proponent in. Um, I know that everybody likes to buy, uh, and we're going to get out of the or we're going to get out of the ad segments here. But um, thank you to Brownells and thank you to Boring Rifles again. Triggered, uh, triggered at Brownells will get you 10% off orders of 150, and then use code STS10 Sierra Tango Sierra one zero over at Boring Rifles. They're pretty awesome. But getting into uh, Matt Bach and Michael, who we have on the show today, uh, we're, I'm just going to briefly talk about American-made products. Um, I am a huge proponent in stuff that's American-made. I know it costs more, but we're, I feel like if we have American-made products, we're supporting American jobs. We're supporting people like Mike, who came on the podcast today, and we're supporting people who uh, you know, who have families here in America and you, you know, buying American products. I'm a huge proponent in that. I know there are a ton of people out there who are buying O lights because they're cheap and that's what you can afford. Totally get it. Understandable. But I'm one of those guys who, if you can and you should buy an American product. So, Mike, um, of Matt, is it cool if I call you Mike? I should have asked you that beforehand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I should have asked before, and this is kind of rude. Um, but uh, Mike works for Matt Bach. He is a pretty awesome guy. He has decided that he wanted to come on the podcast and talk about Matt Bach. Now, if you don't know about Matt Bach, these guys um, create a lot of gear uh, and night vision equipment for uh, uh, night vision accessories uh, for the yep <laughs> for uh the government agencies i know i'm probably not gonna say all of them but like navy seals you know tier one and uh all those guys like if you if you want to be an operator uh matt bach is probably 
all the equipment that you've ever heard of. Um, and if you're in that space, uh, these this company is owned by a couple of Navy SEALs, right? Is that yep. what you're saying? A couple of Navy SEALs. And I'm I'm terrible at this. I'm I'm Malara is pretty much going to be in the driver's seat today. So <laughs> we're gonna yeah. We're, normally you drive. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, this, this is going to be you. So, but I I wanted to thank you, uh, Matt Bach, and thank you, Michael, for everything uh, and for coming on and talking to everybody. But I I can't wait to dig into this. So Malar, by all means, take it away. Let us let ask your first question. Well, I mean, let's uh, let Mike give his his intro. Oh, yes, you're right. Mike, I apologize. I should have done that first. My brain went a million miles away. I literally skipped my script here. So, Mike, tell us about Matt Bach. There we go. I'll edit that other part out. Well, um, uh, I don't I don't know. You, you kind of put me in two different directions. You said, tell me about you and then tell me about Matt Bach. But Matt Bach um, is an awesome company. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to work for them. Uh, I started selling their products initially. Uh, I worked at a gear shop in Virginia Beach called GSS. I uh, started working in uh, 2010, late 2010, early 2011. And uh, Matbach is a company that I first heard about uh, through selling their products there. Um, you know, just really, really unique, really interesting things. Um, a lot of materials that you just wouldn't expect to be used in this industry um things that have come along pretty well um so uh i'm i'm kind of you know I, i'm i'm dying here i need some need some direction uh <laughs> yeah well tell uh, us about tell us about uh what your role is at matbox okay yeah that's that's pretty simple i came on as a um production assistant uh originally i was um basically slotted up to be the production manager. And then uh, when the COVID restrictions came on uh, mm. and reduced the number of people that we could have in the building, uh, it really, it forced our hand and to kind of push some of this stuff forward. So uh, I moved from production assistant to production manager uh, and was, you know, getting the sewers their their tasks and, and getting the stuff really put together. Uh, we were also at that point turning the company from an analog company into a more current, modern uh, digital company. We literally had all of our like cut sheets, instructions, drawings, and things like that on pieces of paper in a filing cabinet when I came on. Okay. Um, so we we really um, you know pushed all that stuff forward and modernized and you know made it so that God forbid if there was a fire or something there. Um, we wouldn't lose everything. Um, Sounds like you need a Halon system. Right. Um, I don't want to suffocate under Halon. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, it, it is just amazing. Uh, we, when I, when I think back to that space that we were in, uh, I came in in, in 2019. Um, we had this little spot um, that was fantastic. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm about to get teary eyed over here. We made magic in that building. Uh, but it's, it, it was just amazing because everything was on top of everything. And um, Virginia Beach is a, is an odd company for manufacturing spaces. Uh, it's not that easy to find things that'll fit your bill and uh, make it work. Uh, we were lucky 
to find a place. Um, uh, a lot of your listeners will probably be familiar with Leonard Bridge Trading Company, uh, LBT. Um, it's a gear company that, you know, long and storied history in Virginia Beach, but we were able to find a facility that's uh, fairly close to them uh, on that side of the Oceana Master Jet Base. But, um, you know, uh, moving from um, the, the production side of the house, uh, I had this opportunity to come to sales. Uh, they needed somebody to work an inside sales position. And, you know, somebody had the crazy idea, like, hey, I already know all of this stuff. Uh, I'm kind of the, the, the office squint that, you know, people go to for facts and figures and information on things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the, the dirty civilian there. I don't, I don't have any military background or experience, but, uh, again, I, I came into this through, uh, selling stuff at a retail store. Um, and being that it's stuff that interests me, it just kind of stuck in my head and made things work. So, um, again, the suggestion was made, Hey, Mike knows this stuff already. We wouldn't really have to train him. Uh, on the product, we just have to get him up to speed on the sales end. Uh, I had some previous uh, sales experience um, doing, you know, quotes and uh, sales stuff for for government sales. So I came over, and that's where I'm at now. I'm doing inside sales at Mapbox. So if you uh, email our sales team, sales at mapbox.com, uh, if you call us, um, you know. I'm going to be the person that you, you talk to most likely. Um, you know, I'm going to put quotes together and send them out to you. Uh, if you call on the phone, it, it rings my cell phone most often. Um, so, and I, I love it, frankly. I, I love having the opportunity to talk to customers, uh, especially customers that don't know what they're talking about and have no idea what's going on. Um, for some reason, those people... Uh, seem annoying to other people in the industry uh, when I talk to them about that. But I love talking to people who just don't know what's going on because it gives me the opportunity to just go on and on and on about this product that I love so much. Um, you know, people calling in to talk about plate carriers. Uh, they haven't even bought armor yet. So I get to talk to them about armor and then talk about how that armor is going to work in our plate carrier. Um, I, I was on the phone two, two and a half hours recently with somebody um, who has never purchased anything we made. Um, I just, I had a great time talking to him. I, I, I like bringing people up to speed. I like educating people on what we do. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the materials that we use and the products that we make. Uh, frankly, they're, they're very expensive. And education is a key component to being able to sell any of the stuff because uh, it is very high end. These materials are just out of control. Awesome. And until you kind of dig into that and see what the materials do and, and why, until you get into the why, it just doesn't make sense. So if I, if I'm able to talk to people, if I'm able to educate them, I'm able, I can bridge that gap. So yeah, that's, that's a that's a good thing, and and mm -hmm. I'm gonna interject real quick, Pilar, before you before you run in. I'm sorry, um, but when it comes to cost prohibitive like materials, I guess from from what a lot of people don't necessarily understand is 
there is a lot of stuff that goes into military contracts. Like when it, when it, when it comes into like making gear for government agencies and stuff like that, it, it has to be a certain way, but, and you explained your process for your specific gear, but there are things that just have to be specific ways and, and they have to meet um, specific price points, but they have to be uh, made in America by Americans, things like that. So I guess a lot of people will sit there and they'll, they'll whine a whole lot. Like you talked about London Bridge. I've heard so many people complain about uh, how expensive it is. I'm like, it's it's expensive because that's what the dudes who go get shot at for living actually use. Mm-hmm. Like it's you get the same thing. Like when you contact London Bridge and you're like, hey, I want to buy this product. It's made the same way for you as it's made for the dude who's going to go assault a beach. Uh, or or anything like that like it's the same thing um now granted are you going to go assault a beach i hope not you'll probably be on a list somewhere but uh you know do your thing man we're all all (laughs) go ahead malar you can take it away well i was going to kind of transition into the tarzir eclipse uh because i think that's kind of the main um product i think that civilians are probably buying for their night vision um, mm-hmm. and that's the original thing that I had reached out to you on was trying to educate myself further on that. And, and, um, I mean, ultimately taking my night vision to that next level of being able to gain the focus ability with it. Um, and I'm not sure you listened to some of the earlier podcasts, but I jumped on this after, uh, the property that I camp on, we have a poacher, uh, that pops up when we're out there. And I went back there with my night vision on and, I mean, for people that haven't had it on it, your focus is not great. And this, I mean, after looking at your, the pictures on your site where you have a watch, you know, 18 inches in front of you, you can actually make the numbers out with this thing on, um, versus not being able to make it out. Um, that was for me, I was like, ah, that's the next step. So I can actually see what's going on a little bit further out, even though I have that capability in the dark now, um, to see, being able to focus is a whole different uh, aspect of night vision. Yeah. Well, um, to, to that end, for your listeners who do not have time behind night vision, uh, this is something that a lot of people don't know unless they spend time behind night vision. Uh, you, you have to set your focal distance, meaning you basically have to choose ahead of time do you want to see things in focus very close to you or do you want to see things in focus very far away from you? Um, most people choose to set it very far away from them because they're looking for a threat, uh, they're navigating, or they're they're doing something that makes the focus out there and away from them. Um, they're only really going to focus in close if they're doing things maybe indoors, um, if they are you know, kicking in doors and shooting things indoors, it's pretty important to see things in front of you. Um, but for the most part, given the uh, the choice between near and far, in in most instances, uh, people are, are choosing far. But when you do that, you know, your, your tree line is all clear and nice and everything. But as you said, in, in those pictures, you look at your wristwatch and it's a blurry mess. Um, where this is especially an issue and you know uh i think some of our um 
like our, our target customer, our target customer is really anybody with night vision. But when I'm talking to people about this, I say, Hey, you know, um, people, people that I especially love to talk to are medics and EOD technicians. Um, because these are, these are two job sets where, you know, you have to be able to see things right in front of your face. Uh, it is very important that you got a lot of detail right in front of your face in both of those job settings. Um, but, you know, you're still part of a group and you're still tasked with security and you still need to be able to see that dude on the tree line. Um, so the Tarsier Eclipse, um, and, and it is not the only uh, refocus effect night vision device out there. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll get into that too, but um, the Tarsier Eclipse is one, is a device in that you know that world of devices that will allow you to get that refocus effect so that you can see things clearly in front of you, but also off in the distance. Yeah, I mean it's definitely it's a game changer. Um, as well as when I bought mine, it was actually I guess it was the Black Friday sale if I remember correct. Um, where you guys offered two, and I fortunately had a, a buddy locally with a PVS 14. So we snagged up two of them at the same time. Yeah. He got one, I got the other. And um, it was also quite a deal happening. So that was a good time to buy. Yeah. So he, 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 I mean, he immediately, when I went to go pick mine up from him, he was like, this thing's a game changer. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's definitely, um, I'm extremely happy with it. I mean, I get out pretty limited to go run around uh, with that on, but. Um, the little bit that I've been able to, I'm super, super impressed, uh, so far. Well, real quick before you hop in any farther, the Tarsier, Tarsier Eclipse, can mm -hmm. you explain, um, how that came about? Like what, what was the origin for this? And like, uh, because a lot of people don't know that this is a, this is essentially a camera iris that it is what it looks like. This is not exactly mm -hmm. what it is, but this is what it looks like. It looks like a camera iris that is. Uh, your focal point for your night vision. So your night vision, as you stated, has to be set at a certain distance. I know mm -hmm. that grunts from from being from being a scout in the army, um, we used to use our daylight filter and poke a small hole in the daylight filter, and that's how we were able to kind of see here and there. I realize that that's a that's a large scale thing. That's not what uh, uh, small units do. I, I realize that I've never been in a small unit. I don't. I've never run with those dudes. Dudes are way more higher speed than me. Yeah. Um, when, when it comes to some of this stuff though, like there's, there's a cheap way to do it, like poking a hole in your daylight filter, or mm -hmm. there's the uh, not expensive, but a, a more solid way. Also, it kind of acts as a sacrificial lens. If I do look at it. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the other thing that Mike pointed out was um, the other day, cause I didn't even think about it is this is actually rubber. So it also is like protective. If you were to run into a situation like with dropping it or something like that, where most of your sacrificial lenses are, I mean, it's not, it's not as substantial protection. Yeah. So, um, to run with that, the, the Tarsier, uh, and this is, it's interesting because the individual, um, we'll call them the operator. Uh, they, uh, they obviously see the benefit, um, uh, being able to see things near and far. Um, it, it's a superpower under night vision, uh, it it only takes a few moments under a tarsier to go like I clearly need this, um, but the bean counters are another story. Uh, they don't care. 
Um, typically, the people that are in charge of budgets and approve things like this for unit purchases are kind of like, well, back in my day, we didn't have no stuff like this. You know, they're they're they they just they don't see the value, and they it's very hard to get things like that approved in a budget. But um, you always have to deal with that old crusty command sergeant major who yeah ex- exactly does not want you to have nice things because right. you're a moron to him. Yeah. Well, because you're a moron that's going to break it, and because he did more with less, and you know, walked uphill both ways, blah blah blah. But yeah, um, also fucking smoked three packs a day and did all the yeah. dumb shit, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, so um, something something that I, I very much like to point out for those budget conscious people uh, is what uh, Scott was getting to the um, the lens, the sacrificial lens. Uh, and in fact, the iris itself, um, it's not unlike the iris on the Stargate, um, protecting things from going, to, yeah, yeah, you like, yeah. So um, the sacrifice. I have not lens... heard Stargate references in a long time. So you're, <laughs> you're well, barking up my alley. Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. So the, uh, the sacrificial lens, uh, yes, will protect uh, your device's lens. The iris will also protect the device's lens. And as uh, was mentioned just a few moments ago, the rubber overmold body, the two, the body, the part that, you know, gives you the twisty thing and the, the thing that actually grabs onto the objective lens of your device is itself a rubber shock absorber. So if you snack something with it, uh, or let's say you're, you know, you're doing the BB wars, uh, you're protecting the lenses of your very expensive night vision from all of the environmental threats that could be out there, whether it be little plastic pellets or sticks, doorways, you know, all, all the random stuff that could get in there and mess them up. Um, even down to just storing them in a pouch. You know, if you, you keep your Tarsier Eclipse on the objective lens of your night vision and you put it objective lens down in your pouch, now that lens is protected from scratches and bumps and rubs and things as you're transporting it. I actually did have a question around, um, I guess, transporting it or storage of it. I was surprised you guys don't have like a small case or something. I actually pictured, uh, you remember Pogs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, they totally need like a Pog type case where you just put this thing in there for storage. <laughs> so, normally, um, normally most people leave it on their nods and then they, yeah, they let it. Yeah. That, that's what I was going to say is uh, if you leave it on there, you've not only uh, protected your device, but... I'm assuming that you're storing it in a pouch, uh, maybe in, you know, some fancy storage system like the like the actual nods nest inside of a helmet. So then it's even further protected. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a bunch of ways to go about that. But um, it uh, I, I mean, it, it itself is kind of the protection Um there uh, are a bunch of different ways to do that. Um, small cases um, we're going to talk about um, daylight caps and things like that in a little bit. You know, uh, if you can get a, a rubber overmold to go over top of it, um, it would not only protect the device, but also protect that, that uh, your device in a daylight setting. So um, earlier you had asked about kind of the, the origin of the, of the Tarsier Eclipse. Uh, and you had mentioned your daylight filters um, and poking the little hole in there. So uh, it's 
you know, not too far off from that. Uh, in 2007, when Zach and Sean got to their first SEAL platoon, uh, Zach and Sean are the the founders and, you know, the, the giants that run this company. Um, awesome dudes. I feel uh, just super grateful and very lucky um, to, to work for these guys, to count them as friends, uh, really cool people. But in 2007, like I said, when they joined their first SEAL platoon, they, uh, they were doing the Butler Creek scope caps, you know, just poking a hole in those and just popping them open to, to, you know, turn the effect on and off. And it works. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, what the Tarsier Eclipse allows you to do uh, is to adjust the amount of ambient light coming in so you can adjust to those conditions. When they did it with this single cap, um, you know, they, they started thinking like, hey, what can we do to make this adjustable? Because um, that, would, that would just be sick. That would be <laughs> like the way to do it. You know, um, if you are in an environment with an abundance of light, even if you're using an IR illuminator and you go into a confined space, uh, that device, you know, depending on the tube you're using and whether or not it's auto gated, there's all kinds of stuff that goes into this, but it's very easy to lose detail uh, in, in this bloom of light. So being able to dial it to new conditions can be important. It's something that they, they saw very early on. So uh, around around that time, they uh, they got a spaghetti measure, which if you um, if you there's a, a soldier systems article that that actually shows a picture of the spaghetti measure they used, and it's it's an iris, it's an adjustable iris, and you twist the thing, and it opens and closes, and it like you literally put spaghetti, like uncooked spaghetti, in it, and it tells you like oh if you you know, twist it and you have this much spaghetti, it'll make this much cooked spaghetti. Um, so I can remember. Okay. Now yeah. I, I was like, I was like, like an actual spaghetti measurer. Like, yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah, it's an iris. You open and close it around literal uncooked spaghetti. And it tells you like, yes, this is enough or not enough to make this much cooked spaghetti. So um, they took that and started experimenting with it. You know, obviously a plastic, spaghetti measure is not really set up to go on night vision but they just kind of held it up there and and tweaked it a little bit and um they started looking at uh patenting the idea um turns out in their search while they were working on it that focus research already had a utility patent for this idea so focus research uh you might be familiar with them that's it's another uh seal business that they they do a lot of medical equipment. Um, they also produce a very cool uh, night vision refocus device called the Hoplite. I was originally eyeing that. Yep. But then when I saw this, I was like, I like the adjustability. So um, I I totally I totally get the Hoplite. You know, it comes up and people are like, ooh, you know, that thing. And it's like, there's there's no animosity there. Um, I appreciate the Hoplite. In uh, 2013, I want to say, when this stuff came online, I was working at GSS at the time. The Hoplite and the Tarsier Eclipse were both for sale in our store, and they both did very well. 
Um, obviously, the hoplite costs less than half of what the Tarsier Eclipse does. So the sales were a little more brisk. Um, the hoplite, you know, flips open and it's kind of on or off. So it does not have the level of adjustability, uh, but it does have that refocus effect that people are after. So if you're looking for something that is, you know, a little bit more polished and a little bit more professional than taking a Butler Creek scope cap and poking a hole in it, um, you want something, you know, the, the hoplite is very, uh, very nicely engineered to be the right settings. You know what I mean? It's already ready already. So, um, but if you want to be able to dial it in and really um, make the most of your very high-end device in its image intensifier, um, being able to dial for your ambient light condition uh, really kind of puts the tarsier that step up. And of course, there's a there's a there's a price jump to go with that. Um, as of the time of this recording, uh, MSRP on the uh, Tarsier Eclipse is 250. So, um, you know, people often balk at that price, but when you're spending thousands of dollars for a night vision device, um, upwards of 10K, you know, if you're talking dual tubes and beyond, um, not only is this really kind of minor in the scheme of accessories that you're, you're talking about, uh, but also it it provides a level of protection, uh, you know, both in the rubber overmold body as shock protection and the sacrificial lens and iris providing uh, lens protection for the objective lens. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely like I said, I, the use that I've had it has been very impressive. It's definitely that next level of of night vision. Um, and even my buddy was, I mean, that was his initial reaction as well. And I, I, the, the, what the other one's called the focus, right? There's, I think they have a different caps for them. So you have to mess around with the caps, whereas you don't have the adjustable iris, which yeah. I don't know me. I don't want to mess with having to swap things like that out. I'd rather have the little dial and be able to adjust the iris and, and be able to do things on the fly. So that, that it, the company is focus research. Their product is the hoplite. Uh, and again, um, you know, I point out that they they were kind enough to license us uh we we are uh, matt bach is the um the sole licensee of that utility patent so uh it's the only you know legal adjustable uh iris being sold on the market right now so let uh, me let me let me state because i i think i have a little bit more knowledge with the hoplite Mm -hmm. um in a sense not the actual hoplite itself but kind of how we did it when you do that you're i'm working in mostly open field environments i'm not working a lot in like i didn't do a whole lot of door-to-door -door stuff most of my stuff was traveling in the back of mraps doing stuff like that doing route clearance finding ieds at night things like that that's usually what my night vision was was for um so your focus to infinity point you only have to cut down your night vision inlet by like, I think if you put on your nods, you can, you could literally look through this. I think if you close that iris to a certain point, like, yeah, you don't get a ton of up close stuff, but your focus outward doesn't get cut. 
So like you could you could you could say like uh, like you could read this at like ten feet away. You could see this, but it's not mm-hmm. um, it's not super close. Uh, again, that was like a it was just a prop I was holding up. Uh, I, I forget we're an audio only podcast. Um, <laughs> but you you have to you only have to do like a certain amount of distance away with that to to do stuff. So it's it's a lot different when you're talking about Navy SEALs and things like that. Um, you're product is by far more useful than most things that uh, a lot of people kind of get into in the industry. So I think my experience being along the lines of what I have uh, and then what Millar is, is getting into with this and what a lot of people in the, uh, in the, in the night vision community are seeing is the innovation is coming forward. And this is all coming from dudes in the field, putting in the work. Yeah. And I, like that's where I think a lot of this stuff is very useful. Um, I, I don't know people on the internet. Like we were talking about before all this dudes on the internet have 15 K night vision devices, dual tubes. And they're, they're just burning up credit cards, putting the shit on there. Like I realized that you could totally afford that stuff and that's wonderful. Um, but my thing is, is if you're not putting in the work with your equipment, and figuring out what you can, what your limitations are with your equipment. Um, I don't think you're going to understand this product. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people out there who just don't, who are going to, well, that's fucking dumb. Well, I I think that all goes back to training, getting out there and using your product and that kind of stuff from what you're, is that, is that what you're throwing out there? Yeah. Yeah. Finding your limitations with your gear. Um, well, so one of the things I absolutely love, 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 because I, I love doing the Tarsier demo for people in general, but I love doing the Tarsier demo, especially for people who have spent time under night vision, because if you've spent any time under night vision, you know how obnoxious it is to have to, you know, change your focus because you want to do something in front of you or change your focus back because you need to go back to looking over there. Uh, I spoke to one guy, um, we had a kind of like a medical conference at ADS, they're a, a local uh, sales company supplier. Um, and this guy really just, you know, didn't care about our product in general, was very glazed over, but super perked up when I started talking about the Tarsier and when I did the demo for him, because he, um, you know, was deployed overseas uh, the only injury he sustained in his time in the military, uh, he was walking somewhere under night vision and walked through concertina wire. And he's like, you know, if I'd have had this on my device, I would have seen that stuff and I wouldn't have, you know, scarred my legs up. Don't um, tell me, was his name Brennan? I cannot divulge this information. Uh, I don't, I'm not gonna, not gonna okay. get into to who, who he was, what he did, what was going on. But, um, you know, he, I, I feel like that's not an uncommon story. Uh, I feel okay. like um, every- I, you said that. And I was like, man, we had a fucking dipstick in Afghanistan who did that. Then again, well, I fell so, off a mountain. So I don't know. <laughs> th- this guy was not a dipstick. He was very cool. But, um, but suffice it to say, um, be- because of what they do uh, or maybe what, you know, what is not happening when they're there, um, I can see this being a somewhat common occurrence. Um, 
But, but again, when people have experience in their night vision, when they've spent time having to make that decision um, and all of the headaches and blurry vision and all of the seasickness and weird feelings that come with trying to walk around with these tubes on your head. I mean, it's, it's weird. It's disorienting. Um, you know, I've, uh, was not in the military and don't have any experience doing any of this stuff under duress. Uh, my, my night vision experience has been hunting and hiking and just like outdoor enjoyment. Uh, but I can tell you that it's not fun uh, when it's dark as hell and your your link to the world to to the site is very limited by your focal depth you know you're you're accustomed to with your daytime vision just being able to see all kinds of stuff right in front of you really far away and why shouldn't it be that way with night vision well all of these refocus devices we've talked about everything from the butler creek scope caps to the hoplite to the tarsier, um, they all give you a modicum of that, that ability back to, to see things more like you would under the daytime. Oh, and, and that's, I mean, look, I was a private who went ass over tea kettle the first time I got to use night vision. So, you know, like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. The first time I got to use night vision, we're out there walking around the field and they're like, all right, private. And then you got to run. Oh yeah. man, they made us run and they made us run in the most fucking whole field whole field field ever i've tripped in so many fucking gopher holes and, and you think shit's 10 feet away from you when it's two feet away and, and yep. you're trying to figure shit and you're like and then they teach you then i remember doing our, our first night shoot um this is when i was going through osut and um i'm sitting there and like trying to load a magazine under night vision in an uh-huh. m4 you do this a million times a day because every time every time you run out, you got to put your magazine in your rifle and then you gotta you know run. But you like then all of a sudden you're looking, you're like, fuck. Uh like you're you're just completely lost. You're like, how does this even work? Who does this? How to fuck this? Like you're <laughs> the whole time you're like, fuck it. Like it'll get in there, just jam it in there. Like things you're you're doing it under duress. And then I remember I remember getting more proficient with it when I got to my unit because I remember. I think the first six months of my unit, all we did was night vision stuff. Like I, I could not tell you how many batteries we burned through because that was just the thing. And then when I got off active duty, I went to the guard teaching guys how to use night vision who've never fucking, who've had 20 years in the military and have never used night vision before watching a, I watched a master sergeant fall on his ass, um, <laughs> trying to figure out how to use, cause he was a cook. He's never, he never, he never fucking did anything in the field. There's an HHC company. And my first sergeant got a wild hair up his ass to make sure everybody figured this all out. Cause we were about to go on a deployment. They needed to figure out how to do night vision. I remember putting them through just like a little bit of what I went through. I mean, these guys couldn't do things like they, they just didn't know. And to teach them the ins and outs and to make sure all that. So it's, it's very interesting when I see people who are like, Oh, night vision is not that special. Uh, it's pretty fucking special. I know how special it is. Uh, and believe me, I want it every day, but at the same time, you know, for people like me, I, I, fuck that shit's expensive. <laughs> you know, really <laughs> uh, I have to say, uh, I'm, I'm doing it the cheater way. Um, I, I have Mr. Gets access, to borrow his every day. Exactly. I'm just borrowing it from work. Um, they need any Texas remote employees, you know, like, uh, not at the moment, but, um, come on down to Virginia and see, uh, see what the magic's about. Yeah, Definitely when you were man. bringing up the um, 
the demos like do you guys do like demos regularly is that a um like a public thing or how would like when when do you do those i guess so what what that typically entails um you know we prefer to do them in person we will send tarsiers to units uh to to groups to um police departments to SWAT teams things like that um people hear about the device and they want to know what it's actually about so they'll contact us um if we can though we like to go and do it in person um sometimes that is a sales sales call uh other times that is at a trade show um i can't tell you how many demos were done at shot show um you know just every every appointment that we had it's it's something that you kind of go through with people who haven't had that experience but you know setting setting the focus for near infinity you know off into the distance and handing it to somebody and they look through it and they're like okay yeah i can see that thing on the other side of the room or i can look out that window and see that parking lot way over there and then you <laughs> i ripped it off well, no, no, but you, this is again, without the Tarsier, you then have them look at their watch or you show them uh, a bit of packaging or we do we typically have pamphlets or a catalog or something explaining some portion of our gear. Um, so you put that up and you're like, hey, can you read this? And they're like, nope, can't even, I don't no idea what that is. It's a blurry mess. And then you put the tarsier on you don't adjust it you don't do anything to it you literally just clip it onto the objective lens and then hand it back to them and you're like all right now look out in the distance again yep it's still still see it it's still clear and uh, if anything it's a little bit sharper with the tarsier on there uh and then you put something in front of their face and they're like hold what i i can read that now i can not only tell what it is but i can read text you know, I can see not only is this my watch, but I can see what time it is. Um, that's that's a game changer. Um, and it's it's something that um, impresses non-night vision users, but people who have time in the field, they have experience behind it, and they, like you, have stepped in all the holes and stumbled around and, and messed around, you know, they're their initial reaction is like, where was this when I was doing this? You know, where was this when I needed this help? Cause this is amazing. So um, it's, it is, it is an absolute treat. I love doing that demo for people uh, because it, it just never disappoints. Everybody lights up. So it is more of a, um, just to make sure I gathered uh, like shot show. It is kind of general public, but it sounded like um, otherwise it's typically like departments or agencies uh, like sale call. You, yeah, I almost so, wonder if you guys should do something similar to um, this kind of on the on the the live uh, suggestion here. But you know they do all like those um, suppressor uh, like shoot days where people can go out and like try stuff. You guys should almost do something like that, like partner so, with. Uh, so there's a a night vision event in Ohio uh, that it was maybe a month ago. Um, I'm not. I'm not familiar with the particulars of it. Um, Ohio Range Day. I, th I think it was Ohio Range Day. Yeah, and they have a uh, they have a, a whole night vision section. Yeah, and you guys, I saw I saw there was a bunch of stuff there for night vision. Games. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
uh, one of our one of our sales guys, Mike Romanchek, uh, he super cool guy, been in the industry for a long time, knows a lot of people. Um, he attended the Ohio Range Day and showed our products off to people. And that was a good uh, public venue uh, for people to see something like that. Um, typically, our even our most public, quote unquote, uh, demo capabilities or demo options uh, are still kind of closed off. So for example, ADS uh, does a trade show event in Virginia Beach called uh, Warrior Expo. It's Warrior East. There's a Warrior West as well. But um, Warrior East, uh, you know, is pretty well restricted to military law enforcement and other people in the industry. So it's quasi-public, but, you know, still it's it's kind of narrowed down. Um, and even for something like SHOT Show, uh, we don't have a traditional booth on the floor. We follow the beyond model of um, having a suite. Uh, so mm. we are at SHOT Show, uh, but not out on the SHOT Show floor proper. Uh, we have a suite where people who have made an appointment with us previously can then come to our suite and see our wares and, you know, you're the, uh, you're the, you're the, you're in the suite along with the rest of the other government contractors who don't want to be out on the floor with their clients getting coughed on by all the other people. Um, that is, that is one of, <laughs> one of the, the benefits. Um, frankly, the wait list to get into SHOT Show is wild, uh, especially for us. We I think we would mostly be considered a soft goods manufacturer, um, hard goods manufacturers, uh, weapons makers, knife makers, things like that have a little bit shorter wait list. Um, but soft goods manufacturers, I mean, are years and years and years out. Um, you know, a lot of big companies that you know that have big booths and big presence. Uh, they're now just a few short years ago, were tucked into the corner of other people's booths. Um, you kind of, you get into a situation where people like sublease their booth space to their friends or to companies that they're trying to like give a leg up. But uh, long story long, it takes a long time to get into SHOT Show. Even you show up and pay all your dues and you do all the things you're supposed to do. It, it takes a while. So well, shot show got pissed off at a lot of people for subleasing their, their thing out. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were all like, man, you, if you didn't give us a cut, it's we're going to get mad at you. Yeah. Shot show pissed off a lot of, a lot. I, I remember specifically Knights did that and they mm -hmm. got, they got, Oh, Oh dude, there was, there's a lot of weird things that happen in this industry <laughs> and I'm, I'm surprised not front page news every day. Um, but yeah, there was a, there's a few companies that have pissed off the NSSF in their uh, subleasing of, of space. Yep. Uh, and that's why I did not mention any companies by name. Um, I doubt that those companies would care, but you know, I'm just, I don't want to invoke any ire or wrath, but the nice you know, thing was like five years ago. So that's the only reason why I'm saying that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, that's fair. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, like I said, we, we're after a different experience, you know, all of these people are there for the show. And to your point, you know, we have some customers that don't want to be out on the floor, uh, whether they don't want to, you know, be in the flu ward, 
uh, that that is this enclosed trade show space. Uh, yeah, and some other people have, you know, they prefer to to re remain anonymous and, um, you know, just represent their company, their agency, their department, their whatever, um, quietly off to the side. Uh, the I think the greatest benefit is being able to have people in a quiet, laid back environment. Um, I don't know if you've been at SHOT Show. I've worked a booth at SHOT Show a couple of years and it is madness. It's pure madness. Uh, it's so loud. There's so much going on. It doesn't really, it's not a really good environment to really bring people in and keep their attention and show them all of their things. So when you have a suite, it, it's uh, it's a little, you know, it's a little more laid back. Environment's different. So yeah, went to shot show, one on one. I went to SHOT Show when I lived in California because it was easier, but I, it's, that's a plane ticket. I don't want to buy right now. So, yeah. Oh no, especially, especially because during the shot show season, everybody who's flying is going to shot show. It seems like so um, tickets are very expensive. All the flights are super booked. Um, well, it's now, it's, now it's starting to get even expensive at that time of year to fly into LAX because <laughs> uh, I fly in at that time of year to pick up my daughter um and it's getting expensive to fly into LAX because what now people are doing now is they're flying into LAX renting a car and driving to Vegas yep. and it's like fucking assholes like go away like fly in Ontario and do that <laughs> yeah I haven't I haven't been to shot show but I've been to other trade shows in Vegas and yeah I mean they're that stuff is always pretty packed and yes. um and yeah I mean you you pretty much normally go by, grab the flyers and carry on to the next booth to get the next flyer and try to, I mean, observe the products that are at the, the booths as you're doing yeah. that too. But Well, and as I was saying before, um, you know, our, our products have all of this great stuff going on with them, all of this proprietary materials and all of this technology going on. Um, it really requires explanation um, for it to make sense, uh, for it to kind of hit home, uh, to have that aha moment. And it's it can be difficult to do that in a crowded environment with so much stuff going on. Very true. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like you guys are doing the right approach there to do it one-on-one -on -one in a room versus out there on the, the shot show floor. Plus, yeah. as, as we said, you avoid the... Uh, the the flu. Yep. I was chatting with the, um, the guys over at Midwest industries, uh, and Instagram DMS. And he was, he was asking me if I had went to shot show and, and caught the, uh, I forget how he referred to it, but he had a term that he used and, uh, it's the, it's the shot shot show flu. You come down. With oh it. no. He called it the, I think it was like the shot show crud. Yeah. I think is what he referred to it as. And I was like, no, I didn't go this year. So the, the, the yeah. crud for sure. Or, you know, I have, um, you know, I hate to admit this, but I have a, a long history working anime and sci-fi conventions. So uh, typically Con Plague uh, is just kind of like a, an, an all-around wrap. You know, it's something anytime you get so many people together in such a small space, you're going to get sick. People will get sick because there's always that jerk who just can't stay home 
Oh, I got I paid all this money. I got to go. I got to make it. So, you know. Well, it's like the guy who shows up to work sick. You're like, dude, will you just, just go, go home and die like a normal person? Like, don't yeah. come here. <laughs> yep. Um, but I guess kind of looping back to the Tarsier, as far as uh, maintenance and that, like, um, obviously I have the cleaning kit now. How often do you suggest pulling them apart? How often should somebody be lubing them? Um, I guess that's kind of a, a big question with maintenance on the, the TARS year and when, like, how do you identify that you should be lubing it? So, um, first of all, as little as possible, um, when, how often all of that stuff as little as possible. So, um, there is a video what that I directed you to, uh, Millar, um, it, uh, it shows our uh, our CEO and co-founder Sean Matson um, running through the cleaning kit and how to, how to do these things and pull it apart. It's really simple to pull the thing apart. Um, it's you know really simple to apply the lubricant and to use the brushes and clean it and all of that stuff. But um, you know, suffice it to say like anything that you lubricate, you can, um, you, you can, you can overdo it and you can also draw crud into the device. Um, the lubricant that it's shipped with, uh, if you buy the kit is a, it's a dry Teflon lubricant, but the, uh, the carrier liquid, you know, can, uh, potentially draw stuff in there and, you know, potentially really, it's just, it's best to just run it, uh, if you can, but to your point or to your question of when do you do it? Uh, the idea is when it, when it slows down, when it feels like the iris itself is kind of sticking, uh, isn't open and closing smoothly. Um, that's when the, uh, lubrication comes in, um, you know, as far as cleaning it, uh, there are going to be times when you are using it professionally, whether you're uh, in the water, in the surf, especially doing over the beach, uh, you get salt water in there, you get sand and stuff like that in there. Uh, you're probably going to want to break out those brushes and brush that stuff out of the iris. Uh, use the lubricant to kind of, you know, spray off and clean the iris. Uh, the iris is aluminum, so it's it's pretty pretty corrosion resistant, uh, but you know it can get some buildup of environmental goop and stuff in it. So uh, you just want to keep it free and clean of debris uh, to get that stuff. You know, keep the thing moving freely. Kind of like all your other military equipment, lube it as little as possible and just enough to make it work is what you're trying to say. Exactly. And um, obviously the, the kit does come with a extra uh, sacrificial lens too. So that if you do scratch up your lens, uh, not only are you you're getting the cleaning supplies, but you also have a replacement lens in there um, that you can pop in as well. Correct. Um, and as I said before, that sacrificial lens, you know, is, is part of the safety layer that you're adding to your very expensive night vision device. So having an extra one to swap out if your lens gets, 
you know, very scratched, hazed, cracked, whatever. Um, it's, it's nice to have another one handy. I think kind of jumping into um, night vision, uh, maintaining your night vision, because that was kind of, uh, I guess, the questions, some of the questions I had. Um, so I'll be interesting to hear your take. But like as far as and I did ask earlier on when we were originally when I originally reached out to you, we should not be using the Tarsier as a day cap, correct? So um, you can use it as a day cap uh, with the iris all the way closed um, because it, it has a little tiny hole. Um, but, you know, we we talked about that a little further. Um, even day caps are not good uh, necessarily to completely protect your device. Um, if it's day outside, put it away. Exactly. If it's day, put it away. I mean, plain and simple. So uh, I don't know if you guys know Nick Chen. Um, yes. Writes for yeah, the fire. Yeah, writes for the firearm blog. Um, I hope I hope his ass is okay. Um, he had a he had a rocket accident. Yeah, I, I saw that. Um, <laughs> I what was he hashtagging it? He was like ass rocket or something. Yeah, funny. rocket ass or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, I I I joke, but Nick just does a Herculean effort uh, cataloging, uh, recording all of these crazy, fantastic devices that most people will just never be able to touch. Uh, and I mean thermal night vision um in this case literal rockets um all ass rockets. Really cool, <laughs> ass rockets, yeah. yeah all kinds of really cool stuff he literally puts his ass on the line for us all uh so that we can get information about these really cool devices i mean some of these things uh we're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars things that you need to be like a government entity to be able to to own or to, to get next to or whatever um he just he for nerds like me that that are just really into this stuff and don't have the opportunity like i see pictures and maybe every once in a while you get like a a glimpse of the manual or something but he does really cool breakdowns of stuff um he wrote an article in april of 2022 about sun blems on night vision that was turned off. Um, so I actually, I pulled that article. Um, I remember uh, reading it when that came out, but uh, when I was looking at your questions, that really jumped out at me because uh, you, you know, you see these pictures of people wearing their nods outside and, you know, doing their cool guy pictures and everything, you know, their dual tubes flipped up and, and whatnot. But even if your device is off, totally off, uh, being in the sun can damage them. Um, in his article, he posted images uh, of this device. And I mean, it has really, really, really bad smoke, like black smoke swirls on it. Uh, and it looks not unlike what happens to a device if you've ever seen uh, a tube that has been hit by a laser, a visible laser? Mm -hmm. uh, if you if you put a green or a red laser on night vision, I mean it it chews up that intensifier. It well, even the full power um, 
the full power PVC yeah, yeah. The, the even the full power ones will fuck up those tubes too yep absolutely um but but to that point the image intensifiers uh even when they are off even when there is no power to them can be damaged by direct sunlight so while you can use the Tarsier Eclipse as a quote-unquote daylight filter, um, you know, I, I don't suggest doing it on ungated devices uh, just for safety reasons. Um, with the iris closed all the way, it does give you a, you know, the similar effect to the, to the daylight caps um, where it's just got that little hole in it. But again, uh, if you, especially if you own this device and you are ultimately responsible for it, I know that warranties are cool and all, but you know, don't want to cash in that warranty if you don't have to, um, just protect your device. Um, a full closed rubber cap is the way to go. Um, you know, that's an instance where I would say, maybe you do take off your Tarsier Eclipse. So if you, if you're trying to wear your your device and take cool guy pictures and do outdoor stuff. Maybe you take off your Tarsier and put on a rubber cap or you get a rubber cap that's large enough to also encapsulate the Tarsier Eclipse. They have those nod condoms that you can put on, right? Like they have yep. the, the yep, nylon yep. ones and they're, and they're daylight proof, right? Or like mostly. Yeah. I would, I would say that that's okay. As long as it's blocked yeah. physically like a physical barrier blocking the light from entering the tube we gotta uh, think that turns blackness into something that you can see yeah so it's still gonna collect whatever fucking light it will collect when it's not on mm-hmm. like it, it so it's like yeah i've i mean i've seen dudes fuck up their tubes because they wanted to look at their fucking peck four so i don't, I don't <laughs> it's just like okay <laughs> don't do that yep 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 well um so i i i invite anybody listening um, the firearm blog, Nick Chen, um, great, great content there, but look for that article. It was posted on April 14th, 2022. Uh, and just look at that tube picture. That's some gnarly damage to that tube. And it's, it's just from sunlight contact with these, with the device totally off. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was one of the questions I asked you, because you do see all these dudes with their tubes, mm-hmm. no caps on them, yep. and they're just out there rocking them for pictures in the daylight. And in my head, being an overanalyzer, I'm like, what the hell is going on with that tube? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, like, I, if I'm supposed to have, if I'd have a day cap, why would I not use it? Yeah. So like that, that definitely, that's been a question of mine uh, getting into it. And now that you're bringing up caps with like zero hole in it now i'm like who the hell sells caps with zero holes in <laughs> um so i actually uh i did a um a google search recently for a customer who was asking about day caps over top of their tarsiers um and there are a number of companies i mean it's just a cheap industrial project uh product these rubber caps various sizes for all different types of things um but you know like a an inch and a half, two inch or so cap uh, would, would give you enough to completely go over the top of it. Uh, whatever you do, whatever you choose to use, something with a physical barrier. Uh, but as we said before, the actual safest way to do it is if it's day, put it away. You know, keep keep the night vision device in the night 
And then you don't have to worry about the daytime damaging it. Yeah. And then another question that I had based off of um, something a friend had told me, is it only light going in the front end? Or if you have light coming in the back end, can you potentially damage your tubes from the back as well? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, actually, I, I would intuit from what I understand to be happening. Uh, you have the light intensifiers uh, in the for in the front end, and it is bringing light in, intensifying it, and then projecting it back on your eyes. <laughs> so, you know, it do it doesn't. It doesn't seem to me like light coming in that back end would have that much effect or that damage, but I don't know that to be the case. I certainly wouldn't intentionally shine light, definitely would not shine a laser in there to find out. Uh, but, you know, um, who knows? All right. Who knows for sure? I'd say yeah, let's I had... also, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, when I like, got mine early on and i was out camping with buddies like somebody tried to take a picture and their flash went off on the back and one of my buddies was like it's okay it's through the back and meanwhile i'm like sweating i'm like oh my god <laughs> what's that gonna do to my tube yep well and and so a lot of that stuff um the damage that you can sustain to these intensifiers isn't always immediately noticeable um because damage happens in different ways it can be like these strikes where you see specific blemishes you know they have when you when you buy night vision they have all the 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 zone images where you can point out different blemishes in what zone blah 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 but you know some of that damage can be hard to see because it's the entire image and just a reduction in quality um you know, you start get you start getting into things like the 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 field of merit, the FOM, like what part of the image you know shows what clarity and all of that stuff. Um, it is, I would say that it's it's possible um, for light to uh, to decrease the sharpness or clarity of your tube in a way that is not immediately apparent. So really. Um, I'm somewhat of an overanalyzer myself, and I am somebody who uh, I'm, I'm going to take the most protective route possible. I'm going to try to keep the device, you know, clean and packed away and only really take it out when I need to use it. So it, it's funny, the, the DTNVS that uh, is definitely not mine, definitely belongs to the company, but you know, that, that I occasionally take out into the field, uh, the right tube is heavily blemished. If you look at it on a white wall, um, you can see an office scene where somebody, the previous owner, um, I, I'm sure that we purchased it blemished, blemished this way, but the previous owner turned it on, left it on, hopefully by mistake, sitting on their desk because if you look and you you're you very carefully look at this image you can see what is clearly the rest of somebody's office man people i don't think people necessarily understand those things are very powerful yeah. and easily damaged like i see people who are like man they're so big like they're big because they 
they kind of have to be robust. Well, and- so so um, CRT burn-in, uh, you might be familiar with back in the day. You know, you know the old TVs with the big tubes and yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I was about to say. Like, yeah. what, like for the viewers that aren't you know, the, the listeners that, um, <laughs> that yeah that that aren't exactly sure what we're talking about. It's very much like leaving your TV on and burning you know, the, the scene from your movie that you've paused. Yep. Or, yeah. or um, you see it with security cameras, like old security cameras that are on CRTs. Um, the image isn't moving a whole lot if it's a stationary camera pointed at a thing. So, you know, you'll turn on that screen and before you've even turned on the feed from the, from the security cameras, you'll see this burnt in image from, you know, days weeks months years of that same image being broadcast on that spot um a similar thing can happen with your with your night vision device so again you know i see that every time i turn that on i see this office scene uh if i if i focus on it it's are you, are you able to yeah. i've heard of um like there's temporary burn-in and there's permanent burn-in mm-hmm. and like the temporary ones i've heard you can literally put it in a shoebox turn that sucker on leave it there i can't remember how long i heard but you can leave it in there for a little bit and it'll um it'll fix itself and i i had that once where um i was looking out over the water and uh the lines created from like the moon it, it wasn't just like the moon itself it was like lines on waves or tree mm-hmm. line reflection um and I literally like got that line across my tube and I was like, Oh God. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I went inside and I, I looked at like a white wall and it, it fixed itself. Yep. And so, I was like, All um, right. so white boxing uh, is uh, there's a bunch of terms for this uh, effect, but essentially um, you know, even for moderate, moderately bad blemishes uh, you can turn a device on pointed at a white background or inside of a white box and, um, you know, it might take you an entire battery. It might take you two entire batteries or more. Um, mm. But, you know, I've, I've definitely seen people take uh, moderately damaged tubes and breathe some new life into them. Um, it's not something you want to rely on because you're kind of, it's black magic in a way. You're, um, I, I, I don't have any direct proof or knowledge of this, but I feel like you're decreasing the lifespan of your tube um, for the sake of uh, bringing that clarity back. Um, but again, you know, an ounce of prevention. Uh, if you just take care of these things ahead of time and, you know, know, know what you're up against, know if your device is auto gating or not know what kind of things it's sensitive to know if it can take care of things like, you know, the reflection from the moon or other ambient light that might be in the area, stuff like that's important to know before you operate your device. Yeah. I, I listened to, there was another, there was a podcast I listened to that was sent to me by one of our buddies, Adam, and they had uh, Augie on there from um, TNVC. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he, I mean, it was pretty interesting to hear his take on, uh, night vision as well, being that, I mean, that's what he does every day, Yeah. but I mean, he literally said every time you turn it on, um, 
you're literally, I mean, there's a lifespan on those tubes. So every time you're turning it on, you're actually damaging it. Um, So yeah, I mean, you are investing into something that is, uh, I mean, it's a superpower, but that superpower has a life expectancy to it that may live well past what the expectancy is, or I mean, if taken care of, well, it should. Um, well, so so you asked uh, if there were any other general care suggestions for your night vision. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, the biggest overwhelming glaring thing that jumps out at me is take your fucking batteries out. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're not using the device, take the batteries out. Not only can you not leave it on if the batteries are out, but you also avoid the possibility of that battery uh, leaking, popping, exploding, whatever, and damaging your device that way. Um, You know, basically every electronic device in existence that takes batteries, if you look at the instructions and you look at the care instructions, they say before storing the device, remove the batteries. Um, that is just so true for night vision, because again, uh, aside from the potential for that leak pop explosion, whatever from the battery, cause it is just a little chemical packet at the end of the day. Um, you also dramatically reduce the risk of, you know, wearing out your tube, burning in some goofy image. If there's no power to the, to, to the device, it can't be on. Mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i take mine out every time i also only run uh lithium batteries um the one i had a friend another a friend giving me crap because i didn't keep my batteries in my uh d-ball mm-hmm. and it was same idea like i, I don't want to put it in there until i'm actually going to go out and use it yep. like if i'm if i'm storing it in between camping trips or range trips there's no need for it to be in there like when i get there yeah i'll throw it in when it's it's time to to get out there and have some fun, but uh, so, otherwise, um, yeah, trying to protect the investment. Yeah, definitely. And on that laser note, um, you know, I'm not fancy at all. I have a PEC 2A. Uh, it's about the size wow. of a VHS. Fucking 2004 going on here. Right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, it's a simple safety measure. Um Working in the industry, uh, you know, for five five years or so, uh, I was selling all of these IR devices, uh, lasers, beacons, things like that. And I was getting a lot of IR exposure. My eyes are not what they used to be. Um, I've, I've definitely taken uh, some, some unnecessary IR exposure to my eyes. And for me, uh, keeping the batteries out of that laser, not only keep it so that it's, you know, not going to be damaged, et cetera, et cetera, uh, but keeps it so that I'm not, you know, accidentally blowing my eyes out with this very powerful laser. So you mainly, you said you have a PEC-2? Yeah, it's a PEC-2A. Okay. I, also have, I also have a... um what is it, a, a PEC-14, which is the pistol PEC. Oh, wow. So I, I have that pistol PEC, but I don't use it on a pistol. I use it at the 12 o'clock position on a rifle. Man, that's I got to Google this one. <laughs> that's what a lot of SOCOM guys did Yeah, um, when they wanted to lighten up their stuff. Yep. The uh, 
so not only do you sell a night vision iris but you guys actually have so for all the gear junkies out there um if you are at all interested uh in high-end military gear um you guys have the the berserker v3 sappy plate carrier which i am very interested in because this <laughs> almost looks like the same exact plate carrier that I was offered in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these, these are incredible and these are all made to your standard and they're all, what do we call that? Berry compliant. So, yeah. um, I mean, you guys have you, your one day assault pack. You have the, the, the scepter, uh, uh, jump assault pack. That one we were talking about beforehand. What um, that thing's what is, awesome looking. So anyone who likes to you know just skydive in their free time, if you <laughs> want to skydive with a rifle, uh, definitely look up the Scepter Assault Pack. But the uh, there's just a ton of cool stuff you guys have, and we were talking about this beforehand. The 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 mission that you have uh, is dedicated. You have dedicated gear for that mission, and we were talking about yeah. that. Um, my question to you is there's going to be a ton of people who go and look at your website and they're going to shit a brick about prices because people yep. do. These yep. are Olight people. So we don't pay them too much mind. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but I, I mean, I'm fascinated. You guys sell this stuff to very drastically, uh, different government agencies all the time. You were talking about how you had a certain, uh, I'm not going to name anything, but you were talking about how you had a certain client who wanted like a ghost gray plate carrier because Mm -hmm. that was what they wanted. And you guys do like special order stuff for things like that. My question is, does it get cheaper when you buy it in bulk or, or no? Uh, yes. Um, it depends on the quantities, of course. Um, as far as special colors you mentioned, um, you know, there that's that's all quantity driven um our materials are very cool they do a lot of very cool things but unfortunately they are also very expensive uh so in order to justify uh not only the time and research into taking these proprietary materials and getting the right color out of them and the right opacity and all of that stuff and still getting them to perform the way we want them to um it just it it requires some pretty high minimums. I'm talking like, you know, that berserker plate carrier you were talking about, like if you want like 150 of those, maybe 200 of them, we might be able to do a custom color or, or camouflage pattern for you. So we can do a uh, shoot in the shit edition in OD green or, or Ranger green. Uh, perhaps. How much capital that would require <laughs> that I uh, don't it, have. It would be, it would be quite a bit. Um, I'm gonna start a GoFundMe. My jaw's gonna know, hurt after that one, dude. Like, but you know that that is a conversation that we're prepared to have. Um, if you want something done in a custom colorway, we can talk about it. Just don't get your heart set on it. Um, right now, things are offered in black and multicam. So if you can stomach black or multicam, that's really the way to go. Um, well, that's that's really what everybody wants is the multicam. I mean, yeah. the multicam is is a hardcore color for people. I mean, if you did black multicam. I'm pretty sure people would yeah send you OnlyFans picks. We we've uh, we've we've had some requests for the black multicam uh but just nothing nothing that got us to where it made sense to start printing that material. Um and 
you know, why are we so into our material? So you, you mentioned the Berserker plate carrier. The Berserker is made from ghost and ghost light. Um, ghost is just an amazing material. It has a, a 460 pound per square inch tensile strength, um, 250 pound tear strength. So, I mean, one of my favorite things to do at trade shows is to, to cut a hole, like to get it started and hand it to somebody and be like, try to make this hole bigger, try to rip it. And, you know, the biggest dude is just straining and he's not doing anything but making his fingers and, and his hands purple. You know, it's, you're just not going to rip it, do pull-ups off of it, whatever. It's not going to go anywhere. So um, what that means as far as our uh, plate carrier, for example, you know, a lot of materials that are used in this industry, you have to use multiple layers, or if you're going to laser cut a slit, because our, our molly is just slits, laser cut in the material. And for most other materials, you either have to use multiple layers and or stitch around each one of those slits so that it doesn't grow. It doesn't, you know, rip or get bigger. Um, and there are some other companies in our industry that do laser cut materials where they don't do those things and the holes do grow. And that's a, that's a common complaint with that. Um, but because of the unique problem, China, what's that? Oh. <laughs> it's like companies made in China. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely that. Um, but even some, even some domestic companies, but, um, what this means is we're able to use a single layer of this material for our laser cut molly, whereas other companies would require multiple layers. Uh, and, you know, a single layer of ghost is not very thick. It's, you know, uh, a sheet or two of standard printer paper. Um, it doesn't feel real. And one of the things that I, I really wish, you know, more people could get their hands on our material um, because seeing is believing, but feeling is believing. Um, Ghost, uh, in addition to being so strong, uh, is hydrophobic. Uh, it won't absorb oil, chemicals. Um, you can decontaminate it. Uh, you can use your, you know, your CBRN decontaminant sprays on it. Uh, you can use a, a bleach spray on it if it's covered in blood. Uh, traditional Cordura and even uh, materials like Squadron uh, become brittle when you do that. Uh, you, you put bleach on it, use the CBRN sprays and stuff on it to decontaminate it. And those materials become brittle and, and lose their strength. Uh, ghosts is totally fine and it shrugs it all off. So you can get your pack covered in blood or whatever, clean it off and it's fine. Um, also, that means that your Berserker plate carrier that you're wearing all day and sweating your life into uh, will still weigh the same at the end of the day because it won't absorb any of that sweat. People touch this material and they're like, well, it doesn't seem like it's gonna breathe. So it's probably gonna make you really sweaty. Uh, but by the nature of the material itself, it has a venting effect where it pulls heat off of you. So you, you are actually cooler 
uh, wearing this than you would traditional materials, even though those traditional materials can quote unquote breathe, um, there's an effect that's not terribly dissimilar from like Gore-Tex, uh, where Gore-Tex has a one-way heat transfer. Uh, it'll take heat from the area of greatest concentration, which would be your body, uh, to the area of least concentration, which during the winter time at least is the outside air. Um, ghost, uh, to my knowledge, is not temperature sensitive like that. Um, in a whole host of temperature ranges, it will literally pull heat off of your body and dissipate it. Well, my 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 question is: This is your proprietary um, blend, correct? Your yes. you guys created this, so I mean, you guys kind of have like control on it. Not not a ton of people use this material only, for. Only Matt Bach uses this material. Is that um, because it's not licensable or? Um, we, you know, it's just, it, it is what makes, it's one of the things that makes the company so great and our product so great is this material. So it's just something that they guard pretty closely. Um, we have made products for other companies. Um, but the way we do that is to take that product in house and we will make a version of that. So, uh, for example, um, we've done some um, some co-branded items with Crow Medical, and uh, there was a time where we were making some of their products in our ghost materials. Uh, but the way we solved that was by making them in-house so that we didn't have to account for the material or account for, um, you know, cutting stuff and sending it out, any of that stuff. And for all the gear junkies out there, ghost is IR compliant, correct? Absolutely. Okay. And then I, cause I know some nerd was going to ask. So. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's, it's very important. Um, IR, IR near IR compliance uh, for our stuff in general is very important. You'll see that our assault packs, uh, our medical packs and things like that, uh, at least the domestic versions uh, have uh, an infrared uh, and an, an IR um matte zipper um so it's interesting buckles and zippers you know they they show up under night vision and they they kind of stand out um so we use a ykk zipper that is actually export controlled uh we we kind of refer to it around the shop as itar zipper uh because it's you can't export it it's it's export controlled because it's ir compliant uh, and that's something that we use to, you know, really stretch what can be done with these bags, with these materials, um, you know, not just having a backpack, but a backpack that blends in. And that's both in the visible spectrum and the IR spectrum. What would, if they were coming uh, to, to, you know, Matt Bach for, say they needed to outfit some of their goons with uh some some things the uh my question is like what what's to prevent another company like what is what is the one thing i guess from your company that kind of sets you apart from everybody else i know you're gonna say ghost but what's what's different than that i mean there is a, a design philosophy 
that goes along with that. Um, there are things that you can do with ghosts that you cannot do with other materials. Um, I mean, without getting too technical, just construction methods, uh, the way you build uh, a plate bag or the way you build a pouch. Um, you know, we were not the first company to use Tegris uh, in our construction, but uh, we were definitely a very early company uh, using Tegris in construction. And if you look at things like our um, original mag pouches, it's just ghost stitched to Tegris. And then that Tegris has uh, the ghost tab system on it that interfaces with the Molly. Um, that is not a product that you could make with other material. It just wouldn't just wouldn't work the same. So, um, you know, I mentioned ghosts and then there's ghost light that we use for like the body of things, like the things that don't have to be as strong. We also have a material, um, it's ghost OD or ghost heavy, you know, we kind of kind of call it quote unquote. Um, that, that ghost heavy has a 750 pound per square inch tensile strength and 450 pound tear strength. We use oh, so you, you just made stuff for fat people like me. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Well, because it's, it's for a litter. I mean, it's gotta, you, you've gotta be able to carry, uh, a man and his gear. Right. So, um, you, you, you need, you need, you need that weight on there. So for our R lift, our J lift, our Cobra sled, our D lift, um, that material uh, is, it's just a wonder fabric. Um, it's super abrasion resistant. You can drag it on concrete. It's not going to get all eaten up and crazy. Um, the J lift or the jungle lift, uh, I actually take with me hunting. I, I don't go out hunting without the J lift. Um, the, the J lift just to, to simplify it is a, a packable, um, litter that you can carry a person, a down man, uh, with, you can either hand carry it. It's got, uh, handles all over it, or you can use our combat carbon poles, um, to, to carry it by poles. And, you know, it weighs nothing and packs down to the size of, you know, like a, like a little notebook. Um, it I looks actually, awesome, and I'm surprised yeah. it's less than 400 bucks. Yeah, I I actually started carrying it with me because we shot a uh, we shot a, a pig, uh, a hog out on us in a swampy area, and mm. we had to float this thing back to the the part of the land where we had our boat. Um, we we boated into this area to begin with, and you know the pig kept filling up with water uh, and it was sinking and it was, it was just a mess where like, it's, it's two guys, you know, I I'm, I'm on the back and, and he's on the front and we're trying to like, get this, get this pig back to the boat. And, you know, I was just like, this is ridiculous. The J lift would be perfect for this. Uh, and it would be really easy to clean it up and, and decon it afterwards, get all the mud and muck off of it. Um, so I never again went out there. I, I just don't go outdoors without it. It's so light and it's so easy to carry. It's just kind of a no brainer. That seems like something that's honestly, uh, 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 
I mean, you're you, a thousand uses for one thing is, is a good thing. You know, not only could it be used as a litter, but you can also use it for other things. You can drag things through shitty areas. Yep. Um, but you said, you said it's easy to decon it. So I take it. This is also one of those things that you can spray down with bleach and it not have a problem. Absolutely. Um, that material is really the best at doing that. Um, it's, it's just super strong, super abrasion resistant. You can spray it down. Uh, it's unfortunately not cheap though. Um, I mentioned the Cobra sled. Um, if you are familiar with the Skedco, um, the Cobra sled is, is our, uh, take on, on, on that market. Uh, and this is a litter that is hoistable, uh, is something that you can do a horizontal all the way up to a vertical hoist. So whether you're like taking a man out of a crevasse or you're, you know, lifting somebody up onto a helicopter, um, the Cobra sled is the way to do that. Um, the Cobra sled weighs half as much as the Skedco. And all of the cables and lines you need for a vertical hoist are built into it. So you don't have that panic moment where you're like, oh God, I got to find the cables and the, and the stuff to rig it up because uh, it's, it's already there connected. Um, but, you know, it's about, as, it's about twice as much. So yeah, it's, it's 2,500 bucks. My, um, the, the cool part about this, this is the exact same uh, I'm not not going to say that this looks almost identical to some of the sleds that we were using uh, in Afghanistan to transport uh, injured troops. Like if we had an injured trooper, uh, I mean, I specifically remember being in this when I broke my knee, but like um, th these are actually pretty cool. Now, I know uh, these are for very, very specific combat applications, but they're uh, they're that thing that you know when all shit hits the fan this is the this is the thing that you would want to have um well, well so i th the thing that really stands out it, like i said it's it's half the weight um and that's so important if you're carrying things if you're carrying well, yes it's things, packable from what i'm seeing yep and it and it, there is a pack that comes with it uh mm -hmm. it's very easy to wear um if you are wearing a pack like our grave robber assault medic pack on an alice frame you have a spot at the bottom underneath of the pack at the bottom of the Alice frame where you can then mount that Cobra sled uh, rolled up, of course. So, um, you know, I, I've i shown this Cobra sled. Now, this Cobra sled is in use uh, with some, you know, some very, you know, high speed tip of the spear people. Uh, I've shown this Cobra sled to all sorts of people uh, that make use of the Skedco and other uh, sleds, which I, I should point out, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm in no way talking down about the Skedco. Um, it has, it's, it's been to a lot of places. Uh, it has saved a lot of people, and there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, I just think that our product is better. Uh, it's, it weighs less. Uh, it's easier to deploy. It has all this stuff there. But um, you know, I, I've literally never shown it to somebody uh in a who had a, has a medic role or works in a medical capacity who didn't immediately love it and immediately want it the thing that stops them is their budget and i totally get that what um well i mean 
how much of something can you have available like to people at literally any point in time? Like if, if a government contract came down and they're like, Hey, we need, we need this. Like what, what is the capacity for Matt Buck to punch out high quality product? Well, um, it's, that's a moving target. Um, you know, we have been able to, um, make some crazy things happen, but you know, at the end of the day, our products are made to order. Um, we typically don't batch products and have them sitting on the shelf again with the very high cost of material, uh, with our, um, very full schedule, uh, because even as expensive as these products are, we do have a lot of people with the budgets, uh, to throw at stuff like this. So, yeah. you know, we have payers have a good budget, you know. right? Yeah. Uh, uncle sugar, uh, provides, but, um, you know, jokes aside, uh, these, these items can take a while to come around. Um, you, we were talking about the, the scepter earlier. I think the current lead time for a scepter pack is about, about 12 weeks, 12 to 14 weeks. Um, obviously it doesn't take that long to make one. Um, but it takes that long. It can take that long for it to be put on the schedule and then for it to come up in the schedule and then be produced. Uh, we do have the ability to ramp up production in extreme needs. Uh, so if very large orders come through, uh, we are able to make that capacity happen. But, um, you know, typically I, I do suggest if you see something on the website, for example, and if you look at the listings for these things, they should all say uh, our products are made to order and as such lead times vary. Yeah. So I invite people to uh, contact us sales at mapbox.com uh, or, or call us again, the customer service line rings through to my cell phone. So, um, call us and see what the current lead times are. Um, we definitely don't want people to order things thinking they're going to show up tomorrow. Um, occasionally we do have things on hand, you know, we'll get a canceled order or, you know, there's miscommunication or something like that, but typically made to order. So there's some lead time to it. I've got a few, few other cool items under the accessories. Like I'm looking at the uh, strap claw here. That thing looks pretty badass. Yeah, the uh, the strap claws um, typically are in stock. Uh, if they're out of stock, they, the turnaround time is pretty quick on them. So I'd say a couple weeks at most. Um, the strap claws for the people who aren't familiar or who aren't looking at them online, uh, they go into the like the admin area of your plate carrier and they take backpack straps and pull them away from your shoulder pocket into the center. So uh, one, it alleviates uh, the the kind of, you know, the soreness or, you know, kind of circulation restriction you get from pack straps digging in to uh, those, those angled part of your pectoral muscles going into your armpit. Uh, but also it pulls the straps away from your shoulder pocket so you can get a, a better shoulder on your rifle. So. Yeah, they look pretty sweet. And then I also noticed you got the um, PVS skins on here and uh, Peltor skins. I mean, there there's definitely a few things on here. Um, I, I want to say that the average person is searching for. <laughs> yeah, well, so um, our skins are... Um, they're cut to order. 
Uh, the skins are actually made by our ghost light material uh, with a 3M adhesive backer on it. So um, uh, I guess a more affordable way to check out our material, get into our ghost materials would be the skins. Um, but, you know, to not only make them camouflaged, but also give them uh, a signature reduction, an IR signature reduction. Uh, they're essentially fancy stickers made out of our ghost light material. Uh, as you mentioned, we have them for the PVS-31. Uh, we have them for Peltors. As you can see, I have them on my uh, my amps, my OpsCore amp headset here. Uh, we also have them for a number of OpsCore and Team Wendy helmets. Um, and uh, I just recently patterned uh, the DTNVS. Uh, yeah, I mean we can we can skin your ACH uh, if if you really wanted, we could figure that out. Uh, we do actually sell um, these uh, twenty seven by twenty seven inch sheets of skin, so you can cut your own shapes and do do as you please with that. It's so funny because this thing looked like hammered shit. I had this in. Uh... Uh, this is my Mitch two from way back in the day. Yeah. Um, so this is my actual Kevlar helmet that I did a statement of charges on from the army. So if you're listening to us army, go look for your fucking paperwork. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, I mean, this was this, I wore this for like six years. I yeah. love this damn helmet. Now I'm looking at all these dudes who have like the high cut helmets and like all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, damn, that shit looks high speed. But uh, I mean, I'm I'm looking at like my old helmet. I'm like, it needs a facelift, but I know I know that you guys aren't, you know, that's not that's not something that that you guys would do. But um man, I got this thing out and it was its old little turtle shell. You know, I had like my my ACU cover on it and it still looked like shit. It was ugly. Um and uh yeah, now I'm I, I look at all these new helmets and I'm like, good lord, man, Team Wendy's like got it dialed in with with their stuff and and how they do, but you know, the civilian market for helmets, I know, is is a completely different market than what the military needs. So that's yeah. pretty interesting, though, that you were like, oh, you could do that. I'm I would be surprised if you guys still made stuff for Mitch, too. Like, well, that, that would so, be so um, we I mean, we don't we don't have a uh, a pattern set up for that helmet. Um, but, you know, again, like other products, like colors, like, you know, other things like that. If you, if you have an organizational requirement uh, or even an individual requirement that would produce enough units, you know, we'll, we'll take on the job. If you, if you want 200 Mitch 2000s, we can, we can set that up. Um, you know, it's all, Man, it's all that would be hilarious. Wouldn't it? I, I would like to know how many guys like me still have a Mitch two just chilling about, you know, like, like. I realize it is, I mean, it is long since it's not rated to stop blasting or anything like that anymore, but uh, you know, it, it, it would be funny to see other dudes out there who, who still have that about like, who would, who would want to like really like breathe life into that again, you know, like yeah. play around. I mean, to fucking LARP in the woods. Cause that's all the shit I do nowadays. I fucking just run around shooting stuff. I, I, again, I'm, I am no operator I didn't hmm. operate when I was in either. So you're one camperator. Hey, well, maybe, you can, maybe, you can a, sure. maybe you can get a group by together. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. That would be 
prohibitive. I think what that, I mean, those wraps would probably be like 600 bucks a piece if I could get 300 of them. So, um, I don't think it would be that bad. I mean, you look at, um, the, the helmets, uh, on the site, you're, you're in the, the 50, $60 range for those. Um, you're in the like $30 range for the night vision stuff. Other than PBS 31s are a little bit more expensive because it's the dual tubes plus the battery box. Um, but you know, um, the, uh, the skins, it's, it's, I think a really cool way to, uh, to add the camouflage, uh, in, especially for maybe issued items that you don't have the luxury of painting. Um, mm. I, I've actually been trying to expand and do optics a little more. Uh, we don't, I don't think we have any optics currently listed on the site, uh, we've done them for customers. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, I'd love to see every like ACOG, EOTech, you know, T1 micro, T2 micro, whatever, just everything covered in skins because, you know, people like to camouflage their stuff. They like to make it not black when they're out in the wilderness and, uh, skins are a good way to do that. They're removable. So oh, man, I just well, noticed the, uh, BWE, check that thing out. Oh, the best wallet ever. Yeah, the, the, the best, best wallet, wallet ever. Fourteen. I mean, that's it weighs not fourteen bad. grams. Yeah, man. Yeah, Never. it's uh, that's a that's another easy way to get your hands on some ghost light material. I've uh, got mine, got mine here. Oh, dude, that's cool. Yeah, this thing's. Is it sweet. RFID blocking? That's the thing I want to know. It is not. See, then you're screwed in this day and age because my thing has a little. Thing on it so i have to i have to put the little condom on my cards so uh i actually solved that i i got a a yard of um faraday material off of amazon okay yeah and i just i make i make sleeves for stuff so. that's not bad i i i i i work for a lot of banks so they have those those little cards and i just get sleeves of those all the time so yeah like yeah. it i have a shitload of them the the cool part is um what if there's a company out there that wants to contact you i'm gonna uh, this will probably be my last question for you because i know you're probably exhausted as you said you have a one-year-old um if there's a company out there that wants to contact you what is what's the process what's the what is uh i guess step by step walk me through like i'm coming to you i need this many units for this uh like what's capital requirements and things like that i know you can't get into to everything but you know for for the people out there or police departments or anything like that are looking is there what's their step-by-step -step process well i think uh pretty simply um start at the website matbach.com um look around find the things that you're into uh and then email us at sales at matbach.com um reach out to us uh, via that sales email um, maybe you don't know what you're looking for. Maybe you're, you just have a requirement and you're like, Hey, does this thing fit my requirement? Do you have something that fits my requirement? Uh, but you can also use that email to ask for a direct quote. Hey, I'm so-and-so at such and such organization. And I would like a quote for 50 of these things. Um, that's, that's really what you know, most of my daily tasks are uh, making quotes for things like that. And, you know, aside from, you know, like skinning things and 
taking pictures of stuff and, you know, kind of whatever odd job they've, they've cooked up for me that day. Um, I I'd say my day-to-day bread and butter is, is making quotes for people. So, um, you know, if you have an organizational need, um, reach out and let us know what you're looking for. Uh, for that matter, if you have an organizational need for something and you're not sure if you need it or want it, um, you can always reach out to us for a T&E as well. Um, we do have a limited number of items on hand. We've got them on a rotation uh, for test and evaluation. So uh, if you send us an email, sales at mapbox.com and state your case, uh, we'll put you in line and send you out that item you know we'll give you a 30 60 day time frame to kind of beat it up and see if it works for you and um see see if we can get your organization into something that makes sense for you that's actually pretty cool you offer t and e for for organizations now now every youtuber out there is going to listen to this go i could go to matt bach and t and e things that's not what he's saying uh, that is not, <laughs> that is that is not what I'm saying. I mean, you're welcome to ask. What about um, what about the Skeeter patch? I was just checking this thing out. Yeah, so Skeeter patches are super cool. That's that's another item that um, we do pretty brisk business with because they're they're on the less expensive side. Um, but for those who are not familiar with them or can't see them, uh, it is essentially a an absorbent material um, inside. And then on the outside, it is our ghost light material. So you have a camouflage American flag, or for people that don't want to wear the flag, we have ones that are dots. Um, but it is, you know, essentially uh, something that you can then soak or fill with uh, DEET or lavender oil or permethrin or whatever your your bug go away juice of choice is. So that way you don't have to put it on your skin and you don't have to put it on your equipment. You can just put it into these little flags and stick them on your arms and stick them on your ankles. I'm going to tell you right now, you know, there's some private out there who's going to buy that and fill it with lavender oil and just fucking fall asleep while he's pulling his fucking night. Smell majestic. He's just yeah, like, just, it smells relaxing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually pretty badass. Yeah, uh, I I stumbled on that while Your I was browsing the site. You can put that in there. Yeah, yeah so, I have that whole thing in permethrin. Yeah, so I'm 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 big on um, permethrin treated items. Um, Virginia is not awful, but Virginia is a southern state, and when it's warm out, the bugs are out, uh, ticks, fleas, mosquitoes, all of that stuff, and I don't I like my blood in my body personally. So um, I think it's kind of recommended by every yeah, doctor absolutely, that you keep absolutely. it in there. Um, except the weird ones. They're vampires. You know about the vampires, right? No. Anyway. Um, I do. I know all about so, them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, these, uh, these patches allow you to have that stuff on your person without literally having it on your person. Uh, permethrin, for example, is very effective at keeping uh, biting pests away but it is also incredibly toxic and not something you want directly on your skin. If you can help it. Yeah. That's I wouldn't know before it. I drench everything. <laughs> 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 so, and, and this is just me not knowing, but I thought you like 
don't they need to come in contact with it? So if you have it on like a patch, is it, is it the odor that's, um, yep. It creates a uh, kind of a field around you. Hmm. Yep. I might need so, this in my life at some point. Here. I don't know if you know this, but can you tell me what the acquire read deploy site is? I'm very, I've been curious about this since I first saw your site and I, I'm very. So sure. But I'm going to then segue into the MWOD because really you can't talk about the ARD without talking about the MWOD. So the ARD, the acquire read deploy uh, is a, site that is designed for indirect fire weapon systems, uh, predominantly like 40 millimeter grenade launchers. And it is pre-programmed with uh, the information on uh, a number of launchers. So like the HK320, the 203, et cetera. Uh, and then a number of different ammunition types. And essentially you put it on you flip through the menu to tell it what kind of launcher and ammunition you're using. And then when you angle it, it tells you, it gives you a read and tells you uh, not only your left right orientation. So if you're like tilting it wrong, but it'll tell you now at this angle you've created, this is how far it's going to go. And that was just for the, the other one, not for the MWOD. Right. That's for the ARD. Now, the MWOD took that idea and just went sideways with it. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Um, the, the MWOD, and I should, I should mention that both of these items are ITAR controlled. They are pretty serious weapon sites. Um, the, you know, th they're cost prohibitive, but... Um, they just, what they can do is so wild. So the, the MWOD, the multiple weapon aiming device, uh, will so act 40 and 60 millimeter stuff. Yes. So the, the MWOD and, and actually, um, you know, there's, there's some use case for plunging fire with, uh, belt fed machine guns as well. Um, oh, okay. Using can, that as an indirect fire weapon system, but, um, you know, essentially, if if you're familiar with uh, ATAC or TAC, uh, the Android Team Awareness Kit or Team Awareness Kit, there are a bunch of different uh, acronyms that, that it goes by, but um, it is essentially any, if, if there are any old school RTS top-down, uh, you know, video game fans like Command & Conquer. I was just about to say Command & Conquer. Yeah. It, um, ATAC or TAC, um, turns your Android or Apple device into a, you know, a map of the battlefield and you can, you know, communicate with, uh, with other people that are on your network, pass information back and forth, pass coordinates, things like that. So we don't make TAC. We don't really have anything to do with TAC. Um, that's just something you know, um, the the army calls them EUDs, end user devices. Um, every branch, every group kind of has their own thing. But the idea is you have a phone, it has a map. On that map, you can see where your good guys are and you can mark bad guys and mark things like fuel dumps and, 
you know, communications hubs and whatever. So it works in conjunction with your BFT. Uh, average yeah. camping stuff. Yeah, average camping stuff. Actually, a lot of people <laughs> really do use it for camping and hiking. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, so there, there's a lot of civilian use cases for uh, the team awareness kit or this this tax system. But what the MWOD has done is taken the basic idea from the ARD and now ported it into something that not only has all of this information on the screen of the MWOD, but also communicates with your tax system. So not only do you see a blue dot for your friendly, but you see a target and that is where your weapon system is pointing. So when you take that MWAT equipped weapon system and point it over there, you also see on your map a, a, a you know a, a point of impact where where this 40 millimeter or this um you know this mortar or this plunging machine gun fire whatever it is you're you're you know sending out there you you see a spot of where it's actually going to go so um you can also use that to make real-time corrections you know talk to people via the chat option or over the air and uh you know you know update say like hey it said it was going to hit here but it actually hit here you know you can you can update you can actually you can actually zero it is what you're saying in effect yeah so the idea is is changing so much the idea is you know this is (laughs) this is not going to replace and uh, i've had this conversation with a number of end users um who are like you know the 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 old guys are not going to like this you know because it's you know it's a it's a it's a whiz bang computer device and computer devices break right so the thing is it's not meant to to replace math you know you still need to be able to use your your tables and charts and know how to actually set up mortars and 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 employ them manually but what it can do is dramatically reduce the amount of time it takes to get the first round impact, right? So that is actually pretty cool because I know. Is. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just gonna say I I know that mortar teams train for a very long time to be able to get first round impacts or uh, or second round impacts or third round impacts just to be proficient with that system. Absolutely. And in order to you know take that edge off once once they're proficient with it, that that's got to be something that's that's very cool i was never a mortarman never fuck 11 charlies are almost as bad as 11 bravos but um (laughs) like i'm just gonna go ahead and 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 say that's that's probably something that's definitely worth it for those guys uh now i know that i i i mean my most sophisticated piece of equipment i got to mess around with was like an lras so that was that was my thing but that's that's pretty sweet like that's some uh, cool stuff matt matt buck is involved in a lot of cool projects um I really wish I could get into some of them because they're just super cool. But, you know, like another one that that I can mention, it was publicly announced uh, a little while back, uh, the JLTV project. So the joint light tactical vehicle, um, it is essentially uh, if like an MRAP and a Tesla had a baby. Uh, it is an electric vehicle um, that is a large 
armor. Looks like a tiny M wrap. Yep. That's weird. It's not tiny. It's it's very large. Well, the M wrap is huge. So I'm I'm comparing it to it looks smaller than an M wrap. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So um, that that vehicle is very large and it moves unnaturally fast. Um, oh yeah. Electric motors have a tendency to be very torque driven. Yep. Yep. So, um, you know, we, that's, that's the thing you asked earlier, like, you know, what's, what's the thing that makes Matbox or what's the thing that, that makes Matbox special. And that's, um, it's really, it's the innovation. It's the, uh, ability to see a material or see an idea or see a concept and just push it and make it work. Um, you know, our, uh, co-founders and owners are just, just really smart guys, uh, really forward thinking. Um, and you know, they, they see an idea, they see something that they want to develop and they go for it, they make it happen. Um, so the result is a lot of really cool, really high end, really high performing, uh, products that, you know, Unfortunately, there it's a little bit more uh, than what the average person needs. But if it's something that you're into, it's there. Um, I often liken our uh, stuff to like Arcteryx. You know, when you can go and and get something, you know, get get that rain jacket from Walmart, or even go a step up and get something a little bit nicer from like Outdoor Research or Columbia or something like that. And then there's that crazy leap that you make into Arcteryx. You know, Arcteryx isn't just expensive for no reason. Uh, there's material reasons. There's design reasons. Um, it does things that the average person doesn't need. But if you have the budget and you need one rain jacket because you're deployed in some awful part of the world with no supply chain and no replacement jacket, you can't afford for that jacket to fail or mess up or have a problem. So you buy the best jacket possible. And uh, a similar thing is happening with our products. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they are that, that level of, you know, just ultimate reliability, that bomb proofness that, um, you know, you just, if you're out there and you don't have a supply chain and you don't, have the ability to like, you know, press the pause button. Uh, you need something that's going to stand up to all that. That's yeah, what no, no Amazon prime. That's what you're saying. Yeah, you're out there. No Amazon prime. Uh, this is uh Matt Bach gear is for you. So essentially Matt Bach is not only doing the, the gear space, the night vision equipment accessories, but you're also getting into the technology and you're, you know, you're blending with other stuff. You're, you know, again, the JLTV, you're doing, you're doing stuff with that product, uh, that project. So, I mean, Matt Bach is essentially kind of in, in, in every corner there, not, not just the, the tactical gear, I guess is how you could put that, but you're, you're, you're getting into your feelers into everything. That's actually pretty cool. That's something I don't think a lot of people get to see. So, I mean, congratulations to you and your company. That's, that's, yeah, this is, Pretty awesome. There was definitely genius. a lot, uh, a lot to take in on this, yeah, um, on this cast. Lots well, to man, lot to talk um, about. Go ahead. I said a lot to take in, a lot to talk about. 
Would you, we'd be more than happy to have you on again, um, or you can bring other people on, or you can, you know, tell us that you just want to go, go go to bed. But I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's uh, it has been eye opening, and I'd really cool to have you on here. I can't appreciate you enough, and please let uh, Matt and Bach know that uh, we are <laughs> extremely happy that you were able to come on. And if any time they want to come on and elaborate more, or or deep dive into something, we'd be more than happy to have any of you guys or all of you guys on at once. I. I could make that happen for sure. For sure. For yeah. Sure. Well, I, I really appreciate you having me on. And, you know, as an extension of Matt Bach, we appreciate you giving us the ability to, to really, you know, dive in and explain some of our stuff, explain our materials and the things that we're working on. Cause as I said before, um, you know, it's, it's hard to see past that price point sometimes. And really education is key. It, it's, it's really important to be able to talk about this stuff and explain why it costs that much. Uh, Cause that's when the light goes off. You know? Well, and that's a hard thing for people to get to like, I, and I, and I'm totally going to, I'm totally going to say, uh, I just bought the surefire turbo light. It was a $350 flashlight. You didn't that's, buy no light. Why didn't you buy no? An God, no. Um, <clears throat> that's a $350 flashlight, but it's, you know, it's made in America. I'm, 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 I'm proud to, to do stuff like that. Now, granted, Thank you to Brownells because I did not buy that flashlight. Um, Brownells did send that out for review. So huge shout out to Brownells. But um, the, you know, cost prohibitive things are out there and it's not, and 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 I'm not going to shame anybody who can't afford a Matt Bach assault pack. Granted, should you, if you're going to buy an assault pack, if you're everyday Joe, do you need a Matt Bach assault pack? Probably not. But, you know, but- if you want the top of the line thing, that's, that's something that's going to last you forever and ever. Well, and consider it like the one day assault pack, for example, if you need a one day assault pack that is sized and shaped for a 117 golf radio, that's your pack. You know, it's, it's going to hold that 117 golf. Uh, but it's also, you know, going to have uh, those, those material properties I talked about earlier, being able to dissipate heat and, stand up to all of this abuse and, and ripping and tearing forces. Um, you know, when you are out in the middle of nowhere and you don't have Amazon prime, uh, it's really important for that backpack, that backpack to stand up and do what it's supposed to do. And that one day assault pack is going to do that. It looks awesome. And I really want one. That's all I know. So I'm going to, I'm going to be saving my beans for that guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I got my eyes on this Skeeter patch. I, I just, I don't know if it'll go with my Ranger green though. <laughs> I mean, I, I, well, that's the thing. I'm, we're we're I'm, big on green over here. <laughs> dude, it's fine. They are available in black. So you could. What What is the size? Cause it, it has like a, it says too large and too small, but it doesn't call out the actual dimensions on these. Are they like two by three? Or three uh, by they, two? They're approximately two by three for the for the large ones. Okay. And then the smaller ones are squares. I would say they're like one and a half by one and a half or two by two, something like that. I don't know. I okay. saw the I saw the D lift and I, I almost I almost uh, laughed so hard. I I saw the, the dog lift. That's pretty awesome because it's got yep. the four holes for the dog's legs. Yeah. Um <laughs> so Spike's canine, uh they they're the, the guys there super awesome shout out to spikes canine uh they um they're they're big fans of our d lift uh we've had a lot of international customers um super interested in them uh it's just you know it's one of those things where like you don't really think about it 
as, as a non dog handler myself, you, you don't really think about it until you see it and you're like, well, damn, I mean, y- your dog is your teammate. And if they're injured, you need a way to carry them off. Uh, so the D lift is something that really just balls up and goes in a cargo pocket. Uh, and it's out of the way unless you need it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if you see the picture on there, but the Kodiak dog leash, yep, uh, I'm which looking, is the, I'm looking yeah, at it right now, which is a, it's a releasable um, dog leash, which we've we've also had a lot of traction on. Uh, you can use that as a sling, so you can uh, put the Kodiak dog leash corner to corner on the dog lift, so that you can sling the dog like a rifle and still have access to your gun. Oh, okay. So this isn't a jumpable. This is not a jumpable lift. This is their. This is their injured lift to get them out of there. That's correct. So okay, all right. I was I was confused on that, but now that you've said it and it says lift, I guess I should have. Yep. My dumb brain. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a it's a litter. Yeah, it's a litter. Yeah, yeah. And but that I mean that's honestly that's super cool. I mean. The, I would have never thought of that. So that's pretty awesome. I mean, and the canine handlers, I know that there's going to be a guy who listens to his podcast. Um, he's a, he's a canine handler, dude. I'm pretty sure he's going to contact me the moment he hears this and be like, you moron. Um, <laughs> he's a, he's a pretty cool dude. And I've talked to him a lot about canine stuff. Cause I have a dog who's right here and his name is Archer. And he is, uh, he is slowly learning to um, get used to gunfire. So I'm trying to get him used to that. I got his, he's got doggles and his earmuffs and I'm trying to get him out and get him used to gunfire. Right now I'm, I'm at the point where I'm keeping them back of the car and shooting and letting him kind of get acclimated to it. But he's, he's still skittish. Like when he hears it, he still freaks out a little bit. So I got to get him used to that. It's pretty interesting. Dog, dog handling with guns is something that I never thought I would ever be interested in. And now I am. So that's pretty, it's pretty insane. I don't know. Maybe I'm just nerding out about things. Well, uh, like, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And like I said, for, for dog handlers, uh, people that are working with dogs, that's your teammate, that's your buddy. So, um, being able to, uh, keep them under wraps and, you know, release them when necessary via that leash. Uh, and, you know, if, you know, if bad situation occurs and you need to get them out of there, it's a, it's a whole lot better than just scooping them up with your arms, being able to throw them in that lift and sling them. So uh, again, you can, you have equipment you need to operate, you need to carry other stuff out, but obviously the, the primary is, is uh, keeping, keeping access and control of your weapon. Yeah. Well, I've seen so many dog handlers who, uh, uh, that when it comes to their, their dog getting hurt, I mean, they're, they're truly dog handlers. These guys love dogs more than they love people. Uh, and they're, and I mean, they would take a bullet for their dog. They'd be like, no, you kill me. My dog is, my dog does not deserve to die. He's just here to do a job. Um, but yeah, no, I've, that's pretty awesome. I'm glad you guys kind of cater to every single market. I mean, that's pretty interesting, but I am going to end this. I'm tired as hell. I got to get up for work tomorrow. I know you have a one-year-old that you probably want to go see. And I know Malar, well, I don't know what you're doing, Malar, but I know you probably Who knows. <laughs> no one, no one ever knows what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm running suppressed and staying blessed. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And, and honestly, Mike, that, this is a, this is an incredible podcast and I've, I've definitely learned a lot. And if I wasn't so tired, I would definitely be more nerding out about a lot more things, but thank you 
so much for gracing our podcast with your time and your and your energy and all your knowledge. And that was pretty fantastic. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's It's been a pleasure. No problem. Well, Malar already said his outro. I'm going to say mine. Be a hoodlum. Do you have a, do you have a outro, Mike? Um, use the, use the, uh, Matbach lighter, faster warriors. <laughs> yeah. Matbach lighter, faster warriors. Now there we go. It's, it's, it's important that everyone remembers to, uh, to be excellent to each other. There we go. Yes. Be excellent. Be hoodlum. Shoot, suppress, stay blessed. Have all of that. We'll have good. We'll have fun.